sit down. Well, I will introduce myself. Some of you know who I am. My wife Gretchen and I, my name is Jamie, my wife Gretchen and I have actually been a part of this church since its very beginnings, um, since it became Lighthouse Coastal Community Church 20 some odd years ago, I guess it is. Uh, We were on staff with Crew, which is a Christian ministry right over at UC Irvine. So we did that for eight years. That's why we're a part of this community our kids were born at Hogue Hospital. I was baptized over in Corona Del Mar. So we have lots of roots here in the area. And um, currently, we actually serve with crew still, but we're up in San Luis Obispo. So we work with what we call Crew Central Coast. So we're on the Cal Poly campus. We're also on the community colleges, high school campus. We'll talk a little bit more about what we do and what we're doing on those campuses. But that is what we do. We work with college students, and we've been doing that since we graduated from college. So I have not left college for 30 years, (laughs) 34 years, actually. And we love it. We think college students are some of the most exciting, strategic, important people to reach because they're the ones who are going to be leading cultures and countries. They're going to be going into education. They're going to be going into politics. They're going to be writing the textbooks that some of your kids will be using in class. So we want to influence the influencers. That vision hasn't changed for 30 years, so that's why we keep doing what we're doing. So every so often, we have the opportunity to come to be with this church family, to share about our ministry. And this morning, I've actually been invited to do a little bit of teaching, so I'm excited about that. I get to do that with my students, college students, but it's not often I get to teach a more uh, diverse audience, (laughs) age-wise, that is. Um, So I'm excited about that. That's fun for me. So Eric asked me to teach about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's one of my favorite topics to teach about. I also will share a little bit about my ministry, another thing I love to share about. So we'll try to keep it within, what, three hours, I think I was told. (laughs) We'll do our best. Okay. Well, the Holy Spirit, it's interesting. I think there's a lot of thoughts or ideas, even images that can come to mind when you hear about the Holy Spirit. For some of us, if you're older, you may have even heard the Holy Spirit referred to as the Holy Ghost. That's kind of spooky, I think. The Holy Ghost. I think of Casper or Poltergeist. And that sort of gets you going on a weird track when it comes to the Holy Spirit, right? These kind of images of haunting and floating around, and, and that's, not, that's not good. Sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't mean a whole lot to us. He's sort of like the third person in the Trinity, right? He only comes out for baptisms. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Oh, there he is. I guess he is involved somehow. But we don't really talk, you know, it's mostly about Jesus or God the Father. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's sort of ignored. Or in some church traditions, the Holy Spirit is the centerpiece. And he's always the one that's moving and causing people to do things and say things and, and kind of lose control of themselves. And, and so we're not, sometimes we're not so sure about that either. So there's a, lot, uh, there's a lot we could talk about with the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to be able to solve all of our questions about the Holy Spirit. But I do want to talk about who the Holy Spirit is, his role in our lives, and, and connect it to the sermon series, which is, uh, I just lost it, True North. I was going to say point north. I knew that wasn't right. True north. There it is on the slide. That'll help me remember. Um, Based on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? Okay, great. So I'll make that connection. Okay. I'm going to spend our time mostly in one section of John, but 
In, in the book of John, John chapters 14 through 17, some of the most rich pieces of scripture, John 14 through 17, it's the longest teaching discourse of Jesus. It's this really long thing where Jesus is talking to his disciples, basically setting them up for his departure. He's basically saying, these are the marching orders. This is what it's going to look like to carry out this thing called the church, my mission, the gospel. And it's chapters that are just rich in instruction. One of the threads that runs through all three of those chapters is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is cornerstone to the disciples fulfilling their duty as followers of Jesus and fulfillers of the Great Commission. So the Holy Spirit's through there. Prayer is through there a lot, those kinds of things. So that's where I'm going to be camping out on. So the first passage, really a central passage for us, is going to be John 14, 16 through 17. I'm going to grab my water. So let's take a look at this. John 14, 16 and 17. This is Jesus, again, speaking to the disciples. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the, Holy, that is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Okay, so what can we learn from these two verses? Well, I think there's quite a lot there. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a person, okay? He's a person. The Trinity is three persons, one being. And, and why do I say that? Well, look at the passage, and I've underlined some of the pronouns in the passage. And the pronouns are he, him, him, he, right? Those are personal pronouns. So the Holy Spirit is not a force. I think sometimes we conceive of the Holy Spirit as um, an impersonal force or um, just a power, right? But no, the Holy Spirit is a person in the Trinity, okay? He's, he is a he. So that's one thing to keep straight. I think we can be influenced by, I don't know, uh, Star Wars maybe, you know, where we think about the force, and some people have a lot of the force, and some people don't have as much of the force. You know, don't you wish you were a person who had a lot of the force? And I think sometimes we can think of the Trinity or the Holy Spirit like that. Some people seem to have a lot of the Holy Spirit. And other people, eh, not so much. But that's not true. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have the person of God living inside of you, okay? Which is the next point, like, he is present. The Holy Spirit is in you. So the Holy Spirit is not only a person, he is a disembodied person, but he is a person nonetheless who is present in each and every one of us, okay? So go back to the passage. It says that at the end of verse 17, he abides with you and will be in you. So the Holy Spirit abides in us. Now again, if you've been around church for a while, you might be like, come on, Pappas, get to something we don't already know. And, and I think that's true. It, it probably is true that a lot of us have heard this before. But I think we don't often get our minds around what that really means. Okay, for the, for the Jews... The idea of God, the Spirit, living inside each and every person was mind-bending. It was mind-blowing. 
When the Holy Spirit descended upon the church in Acts, you get to see that in Acts chapter 2, that was the fulfillment of a promise that the Jews were anticipating for centuries. That the Holy Spirit, that God himself would dwell with his people inside of them. Now think about the contrast to what the Jews had to experience, right? For the Jews, God's presence was certainly not in each person, although there were anointed kings like David, Saul. They they had the Spirit, but not permanently. He was removed. So for the Jews, the Spirit dwelt inside this thing called the temple. Now the temple was made meticulously. It took seven years to build this temple. And in the most holy parts of the temple were overlaid in gold. Every part of it, including the floors, were overlaid in gold. Because their mindset was, according to God's instruction, for God's spirit to dwell someplace, it better be pretty amazing. It better be holy. It better be sanctified. It better be set apart. It took seven years to build this thing. Well, God is saying, no, I'm actually going to choose to live in each and every one of you. You are my temple. So for the Jews to think, wow, I am the temple, me, this unholy person, yes, that's what's happening. That God in his very person is living inside of each and every one of you if you have trusted in Christ and asked his spirit or Christ to live within you. Okay, so I think we need to remember that that's a pretty big deal. The other thing that I think we forget is that this presence is very intimate and very close. Okay, so... I'm actually not very close to you guys, right? I'm, there's sort of some distance, right, between me and you. But if I, you know, if I came down here, that's, that's pretty cool. I'm a little bit closer, especially to Eric here. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit closer. And I could get even a little closer. Well, why don't, why don't we do this? So, so, so. That's pretty close, right? That's pretty intimate. The Holy Spirit is closer than that. He's closer than that. He lives inside of you, and he's with you constantly wherever you go. Now, that should change our thinking. Now, imagine if I went with Eric this close throughout his whole day, right? That would affect his day, the fact that there's this person that's with him the whole entire time. That's going to radically affect your day. But what if it's God? What if every day is take God to work day, right? Every day is take God to work day or take God to the beach day or take God wherever day. And I think we forget that. I know sometimes I'll be going through my day and something will happen and I'll start getting all frustrated and worried and trying to figure out my problems and projecting a conversation and worrying about how the conversation's going to go. Like, and I forget, wait, God is with me. <laughs> He's right here. I can stop and actually compose myself and talk to him about the situation and offer up the situation and ask him for insight and wisdom about the situation? How often do we go through our day acting as though God is like a bajillion miles away somewhere out in heaven? Well, the heavens are actually all around us. That's a different subject, but, but they are. The heavens are all around us, and more importantly, the point is the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We need to be mindful of that, Right? And that's one thing that I've been just trying to grow in as I go through my day, just being mindful of the presence of God, practicing the presence of God. There's a nice little book written by Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence of God. I think, is that the title? Did I get it right? <clears throat> yeah. And it's just how he would, as a monk, just mindful of God's presence when he's working in the kitchen, when he's doing all these everyday activities. 
So we can have this fellowship, this communion. We can experience the presence of God moment by moment because he's with us moment by moment. You know, sometimes we'll pray and we'll invite God into our meetings. And I understand the spirit of that, but we need to acknowledge he is already here. He is already here. He didn't go anywhere. Now, we can invite him to manifest his presence and move in our midst. Like, I totally get that. But let's be careful praying those things and inviting God in our presence because we could start to believe he's not actually here unless we do that. So he is not only a person, but he is very present. He's also uh, permanent. So that's the next. Don't you love all the P's? Man, it doesn't always work out that way, but it's sure nice when it does and you didn't have to tweak the scriptures to make it work. Okay, so let's look at the passage just so you can see that I didn't make it up. All right, so this is John 14, 16, 17, right? Same passage, he may be with you forever. And we could look at some other passages that promise the Holy Spirit's constant indwelling in us. Um, But it's true, like once the Holy Spirit comes in you, he is this down payment, he's a promise that you will spend eternity in heaven because he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. Those are just passages that you could refer to uh, back up this point. Um, I think sometimes we wonder, well, why did Jesus leave? That would have been awesome if Jesus just stuck around, you know, and helped us fulfill the Great Commission and helped us lead his church. But Jesus tells us in this section of verses in John why he leaves, and he tells us that it's actually to our advantage. It's to our advantage that Jesus leaves or that he left. And he says, it's because if I leave, then this helper, the Holy Spirit, will come and he'll be with us. And if you think about it, it is better that the Holy Spirit is here rather than just Jesus. Because Jesus, the incarnate God, was spatially located. He could only be in one place at one time. He wouldn't be able to indwell each and every one of us. Because he's in the flesh and he'd have to just be in one place at one time. This is a way for God's spirit to be in each and every person wherever they go. And so that's, that's an incredible truth and it's a permanent truth that will never change. Okay? So all this is kind of nice. You know, it, the passage, the translation that I'm reading talks about the Holy Spirit being a helper. Other passages say they, they translate that Greek word... Uh, kind of the transliteration of the Greek word is paraclete. Maybe you've heard that. But this Greek word kind of, it, it's not, we're not sure. It's, its full meaning is hard to capture in English. So some translations will say helper. Some will say comforter. Some will say counselor. But all of those don't quite capture it. Like helper kind of seems like, oh, come along. Come along and help. You know, you can help me with my day. Or comforter. It's like, there, there. I'm sorry this happened to you. But this is God in, you know, this is God living inside of us. So he's a little bit more than this subservient helper and just a nice, friendly person. He's actually there to help us do some pretty incredible things. And so as John records Jesus' teaching, he actually tells us what is the purpose? Like, why is the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us? Is it just to be this little helper and comforter? I think it's more than that. It's more than that. So he's there to help us. Uh, achieve a purpose, and to achieve that purpose with power. So that's an important thing to think about. 
Now, Jesus, uh, when he came to earth, he certainly had a purpose, right? He wanted to uh, die for the sins of the world. He wanted to demonstrate what, it, what kingdom living looked like. Okay? He wanted to set the captives free. He wanted to heal the sick and give sight to the blind, right? He had all these purposes that he wanted to do. But here's the thing. Even Jesus, God incarnate, did not start to do any of his ministry. He did not start to accomplish his purposes until he was filled by the Holy Spirit. The mark of Jesus' ministry beginning was the descending of the Holy Spirit onto him. It was at that point that Jesus, God incarnate, was now empowered to fulfill his ministry. So in Luke chapter 4, just in this one chapter in Luke, you see Jesus' full dependence and reliance on the Holy Spirit. It says that he's full of the Holy Spirit. He was led around by the Holy Spirit. He did things in the power of the Spirit. And then he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, if Jesus doesn't go about his day and his ministry and his purpose without being led by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, then who are we to think, you know, that we can do that? That we can just get up in the morning and jump out of bed and just kind of go through our day under our own power and strength. We, we cannot do that. Now, the problem is we can in a sense, and we do it all the time, but we're missing out on the full effects of what God would want to do in our lives if we would rely on the Spirit, allow His Spirit to fill us and empower us. So we do need the Spirit to fulfill our purpose as people, as a church, as a community. Jesus did, and so do we as well. So in John 15, Jesus gives us one of the things that the Spirit does. In John 15, 26 through 27 And it is this, that he will empower us to witness, right? He'll empower us to talk about Jesus, to let everyone know about Jesus and his relationship with us. He gives us the courage to do that. He gives us the words to do that. He gives us the the, the power to do that in the sense that, and this is later on in the passage, talks about the Spirit is who convicts the world of sin and righteousness. So when you think about wanting to talk to people about Jesus, be sure you're filled with the Holy Spirit, because you're going to need that power and courage and words. But also the Spirit is the one who does the convicting of the other person's heart. Isn't that nice that we don't have to do that? Isn't that great that our role isn't to make somebody feel the remorse of their sin or the guilt of their sin or the shame of their sin. God's perfectly capable of doing that. In fact, it is his role to do that. So our role as believers is just to talk about Jesus. Testify is what the passage says. And talk about our relationship with Jesus and how awesome Jesus is, not how bad they are. And let the Spirit do the work. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about what's right and wrong but let the Spirit do the convicting. He's, it's God. He can handle it. Okay, He doesn't need your help. So let the Spirit do the convicting when we're testifying about Jesus. So that's one of the purposes, right? We're supposed to ask Jesus to speak through us when we're talking about him. 
The other one is that he guides us into the truth. So, so this is John 16, 13, and 14. He guides us into the truth. I think I have the passage up there, Mark. Yeah, cool. So we'll read that together. And this is really where my Holy Spirit talk here is connecting up with the, the true north idea in the, in the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 concept. Because really, the Holy Spirit, I believe, is the way that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is lived out in the New Covenant. <laughs> For the believer who has the Spirit, how do we trust in the Lord with all of our heart? How do we not rely on our understanding? How do we allow him um, you know, to guide our path and all that? It's through the Spirit. Like The Spirit is how that Proverbs passage is lived out in a pretty tremendous Incredible way, because we actually have God in us, right? Speaking to us. So the passage says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and disclose it to you. Now the spirit discloses truth, in, um, in a few different ways. Um, I don't have the time to sh- go through a lot of passages here, but he discloses his truth through the, r- the word that we already have. So God's word was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we have a lot of spirit wisdom, spirit-inspired truth in our hands. It's the Bible. So a lot of times people are wondering, well, what's God's will for my life? What's the Spirit saying to me? Well, read the book, you know. <laughs> There's a lot there that we, that we could start with that will give us a lot of guidance and direction, you know. So I think that's a good place to start. The Spirit, though, does give us wisdom when we ask, and the Spirit will speak to us. And that's something that's a bit mystical. It really is. I think it's, it's mostly a qualitative kind of thing, like how do you know it's your not your own voice, but the Spirit's voice. I think there's just maturity that comes into play that helps us discern the Spirit's leading. But what he's also done is he's surrounded us with wise counsel. Right? He's surrounded us with other people who also have the Spirit who can speak into our lives and help us discern what the Spirit is saying to us. A lot of times we try to just do this Christian thing on our own without the help of this beautiful body of people. And you don't have to do that. That's what the wise counsel is for, to allow other people to weigh in on decisions, um, things, areas where you need discernment about what to do with your kids, for crying out loud, you know, stuff like that. You guys have all been there. Not all of you, but many of you have. So recently I had a decision to make. I needed to figure out if I was going to take on an, a new job. Um, and I had been through this about... Uh, when was it, 25 years ago, deciding whether to go to med school or stay on staff with crew. And it was a really hard decision to make, and, and, and I just wrestled with it and anguished with it. And so I had another decision to make just recently. Am I going to become a regional director for crew where I oversee not just my own campuses, but all the campuses in Northern California? So San Jose all the way up to Chico. And there's a lot of campuses there. There's a lot of leaders and so forth. And I started to get a little bit nervous about the decision because I'd been through this before. And I remember just wrestling with it and pro-con lists and reading all these books. And I just, I remember the decision being so confusing and so hard. And I think it was a hard decision. 
So this time I was getting a little tentative about it, and I thought, you know what? I'm not going to make the decision per se. I'm going to allow the Spirit to lead me to the decision. And the way that I did that is I started to seek wise counsel, and I started to listen to what people were saying, talk to my wife, and then I'd sit in it for a while, not necessarily like, well, he said this, and how much, does, how much does that count? And I just didn't stress about it. I just sort of sat in it, and then I'd seek some more counsel. And before I knew it, I was led to a decision where I thought, yes, I should say yes to this job. I didn't do the pro-con list, though I think God can use that. I think certainly God uses counsel, but he uses it in a way where his spirit takes that stuff and makes it clear what's the most important thing and what should we what should we what we should do. Okay, and when I made the decision, sometimes I'll talk about the decision. Yeah, I'm doing a part-time job that's supposed to be done for by two people full-time, and I'm doing that alongside my current job. I'm like, wait, why did I say yes to this? This doesn't make any sense. But I, I really do believe I'm supposed to do it, and I have been given the freedom to do it the best way that I can given my capacity. So. Yes, we need wise counsel. Yes, pro-con lists can be helpful, uh, but certainly God's word, and then just sitting in the decision and allowing God's spirit to nudge and move us along. The other thing I'll say regarding decision-making, which is probably five sermons, is be more concerned about what God is asking you to do today than trying to figure out what you're supposed to do five years down the road. I see this with college students all the time. They're so concerned about what they're going to do after graduation or who they're supposed to marry. They're not, in, they're not obedient in the moment. And we need to be obedient in the moment in order to be led to the place where he wants us to be five years down the road. Does that make sense? So just being in tune with the Holy Spirit. Well, man, there's so much more I could talk about. Um, I'll say this, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about our ministry and have Gretchen come up. So the Holy Spirit is permanently present with us. That is an absolute scriptural truth. However, though the Spirit is permanently present, we are not necessarily continually empowered. Though he is permanently present, we are not necessarily continually empowered. I don't think I have a slide for that one, Mark. So you might be asking, oh gosh, that sounds bad. What do I do about that? Right? Well, you trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, often we just have to say, Lord, I can't do this. I'm not in control. I don't have your wisdom. I confess that I've done it the wrong way. Would you guide me? Would you empower me? Would you lead me? The Christian life is a life of faith. And what that means is I'm not going to trust in myself. I'm going to let go of my own ways and desires and things like that. And I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I'm not going to rely on my own understanding. And I'm going to acknowledge the Spirit's presence in me and ask him to lead and direct. It's as simple as that. It really is. It's just yielding to God. It's yielding to his spirit, allowing him to empower you. So you can experience the fruit of his spirit, his wisdom, and those kinds of things. Now, you might have to yield several times a day as you start to take over or you sin or something happens. 
But that's okay. God's cool with that. Just continue to say, oh, Lord, sorry about that. Would you continue to guide and give me direction? Um, If you want to learn more about the Holy Spirit, crew loves talking about the Holy Spirit. I would say it's one of the distinctives of our ministry. And there's a nifty little devotional online known as the Thirsty Devotional. So if you want to find it, there's a PDF online. Just Google Crew Thirsty Devotional, and you can download it, and you can mark it up and take notes in it and do all that kind of thing. You can also order a printed version of it if you'd like to have your own hard copy of it. Um, I really recommend it. It's a two-week devotional that leads you through some of the things that I've talked about, the fact that he's a person, power, and all that, but it also talks about some other aspects of the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Okay, so Crew Central Coast, I'm going to have Gretchen talk a little bit about what we're doing locally. What we're doing beyond our campuses is one of the things that's happened over the last 20 years is for whatever reason, God has chosen to allow Crew Central Coast to be a sending ground of missionaries to the world. That we have students in countries all over the world that are serving there for a year or two years or even longer. The Middle East crazy countries in the Middle East, communist countries, um, Latin American countries, all these different countries around the world. And one of the things that I love about this new job that I'm taking on is that many of the people I will be working with were students of ours. Many of the leaders at Chico, all the leaders at Chico State actually were students of ours at one time. Uh, The leader at San Jose State, the leaders at Berkeley, they were all students or staff that were part of our ministry. And I I think that's just one of the coolest things that God has done is he's allowed us to be a blessing to all these other campuses through our campus ministry. And we particularly are reaping the benefits of that because we just dropped our son off for his third year, transfer year, at Cal State Fullerton. And there are our students there, former students, on staff. And I love that, right? So I'm reaping my own, the benefits of my own fruit. I don't know if that's a real thing, but there you have it. Um, and so Cruise Central Coast isn't just about the Central Coast, but there are some awesome things happening there. So I'm going to have Gretchen come up and share a little bit about what's happening locally. How are we doing on time? I have no concept. All right, great. This, one, this says number two, so I bet this is number one. Okay. Oh, yes. It worked. My kids would be so proud because I'm so bad with stuff like this. Um, So one of the great things that happens when you teach college students about the Holy Spirit and you have to trust them to walk with God on their own and to pray and to see where God is leading them is that he leads them places, a lot of places. And so we, we get to see that because, like Jamie said, we emphasize uh, the Holy Spirit and, and trusting him and following him. Um, we don't think that all of our students should come on staff with crew like we did. We want them to find their own space and be led in their own places. So a couple of things that we have going on are this year we're really excited to have about 15 of our college students mentoring high school students in our county. So we have at SLO, San Luis Obispo High School, and at Morro Bay High School, 
um, we're going to have some of our college students mentoring high school students. And we're excited about that, and we are actually working with two teachers at um, the high schools who, and so we've you know, we have the blessing of the administration um, teachers to go in there. And our students love doing it. High school and college, very different ministries, but um, they, they love doing that. So besides having a ministry at Cal Poly, we have these two high schools that our students are on. And then the other thing that we have is we are at three community colleges, two-year colleges in our county or in our area. Um, and they all start tomorrow. So if you think about it, pray for us tomorrow because tomorrow, for example, from 11 to 1, I will be with two of my student leaders and Jamie. We will be up at Cuesta Community College North, which is in Paso Robles, which uh, in slow we call Paso. I'm so sorry that we pronounce it that way. Um, and we will be from 11 to 1 handing out popsicles, Bibles, coffee cups with a crew on it. We will be handing out flyers, inviting students to a Bible study that my student leaders have, inviting them to the weekly meeting, inviting them to talk more about Jesus if they have questions. So those all start tomorrow. We're actually leaving right after this, heading home. I have all these things in the trunk of my car. Popsicles are in my freezer. Hopefully they're frozen by this point. Um, the great thing about the two-year colleges is that we reach out to a lot of students who don't start at four-year colleges. There are a lot of uh, nursing students at two of the schools. Um, there are a lot of students who come to the two-year schools. You know, maybe they don't get into a four-year college or even our son went there it was economically awesome for him to start out at Cuesta he did it for two years and now he's transferring and like he's going to be great he's going to be set so um, for a lot of students in our area the the two-year option is awesome so we have ministries there and so um, I wanted to let you guys know about one student in particular, and we're going to show a video in, a, in just a minute, but we have about halfway through our year, we have a winter conference. And so last year at the winter conference, this student named D'Angelo um, was there, and I don't know all of our students. We actually have about 950 students, all, you know, all over the place. So I don't, I obviously don't know all of them. Um, so I met D'Angelo, and, and it turns out he's a student at Cuesta College, which is a two-year school in Slow. And he told me that he had just come to crew the Tuesday night before this conference. And I was thinking, why did you come to this conference? You don't even know anybody. I never would have had the courage to do that. Um, but he came on Tuesday, loved it. Someone invited him, came on the weekend, it's over MLK weekend, came to this winter conference, and you could just tell that his, you know, that he was wrestling with stuff and that his life was changing. Um, so that was in January that we have that conference. Later on in the year, in March, we have uh, a social slash outreach called Night at the Oscars, or NATO. 
And it started out as this fun little, you know, let's have students make videos and then we will show them to this huge production that we have now where students still make videos. They're all student made. We um, actually are able to rent out this big old classic theater in downtown San Luis Obispo, the Fremont. And we show it on the big screen, you know, and, and it's, there's velvet in there, and, and it's really cool. And so we have it there, and the students um, pay, is it $10 each for tickets? We think so. We don't even plan it. Um, but they, and then we raise money. It's a fundraiser. So this year, the money that our students raised, I think it was over $4,000, went to a crew ministry in the Middle East that works with women who are in abusive situations, marriages, trying to get out of those, and it helps them. And so our students from the Central Coast were able to help those students. And D'Angelo made this video that kind of tells his story. Um, it's a spoken word poem. And this, I just, I love it because it's one student from one small school. And I'm so proud of our interns and student leaders at Cuesta who befriended this student and took him in and brought him and talked about Jesus with them. Um, so if you think about it, you know, pray for us, pray for Cuesta, pray for D'Angelo, and there's hundreds of others like him that starting tomorrow are going to come up against our students and hopefully see and discover the love of Jesus. So here's the video. Conversely.